Hey, race fans, calling all hockey fans, calling all hockey fans. Why are we looking for hockey fans, you might ask? Because Goat Sports Media has released its newest podcast, Tea with Miss McGill. It can be found on Apple, Spotify, and all the favorite places that you podcast. This podcast is going to concentrate on Minnesota high school hockey mainly, a little bit of touch of Division I and Division Three college hockey, and we'll touch on some major stories of the NHL. So Tea with Miss McGill, the latest podcast from Gold Sports Media. Go check it out. All right, race fans, Ryan Aho and the one and only Bert Lehman. How are you doing, Bert? I'm doing good. Yourself? Doing awesome. Hey, we're bringing you guys episode 69 of the one to go show. And we're only two away from my favorite number. I mean, we're, we're getting close. I mean, that's going to have to be like a, a landmark special episode when we get to 71. But uh, we had all kinds of racing that was supposed to happen here this last week. And uh, a lot less of it happened than what we thought. There was still a bit of racing going on. And, you know, let's let's get to some late model action. Bert, we'll talk about, you know, there really wasn't a ton but there was a there was a good late model race. I mean, uh, the season finale of the Drydeen Extreme, uh, I guess, dirt car late model series. Really, it's run by the World Racing Group. I mean, a lot of the World of Outlaws folks were there. You know, I know you watch that race down at Modoc, race number six of six. Why don't you fill the fans in on kind of what you saw? I have a, I have a few thoughts on that race myself. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, of the. Um of the races in this extreme series, this was probably one of the better ones. Um, there may not, it may not be a coincidence that uh, the race was run in the dark and not uh, during the, while the sun is shining. So that may have had something to do with it. Um, I think uh, the, I can't remember which driver said this. It might've been Ross Bales, but uh, he think the track, uh, for the work that they put into it because they must have put some water on it and farmed it up a bit before the feature. And, uh, and, you know, it showed there's another driver that thanked the crew there too. And he said, this was the raciest race that he's ever been at, at that track. So, you, you uh, know, Bert, I'm, Hey, Ross Bales probably should have been like mad. He should have, he should have been like, you should have made this feel <laughs> locked down at the end of the race. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, uh... yeah, I mean, actually, uh, I mean, Ross Bales led a good portion of the race. Uh, he was kind of uh, married to the bottom and um, Overton later, late in the race, Overton. Uh, I mean, that's one thing you say about Brandon Overton is uh, he'll drive where he has to to uh, make a pass. And he tried the outside and he was able to make it work. And took the lead late in the race and went on to, to win, I believe it was 7,000 to win the race. And uh, Bales finished second. Uh, there was actually a good contingent of some, I mean, cause uh, Hudson O'Neill was there. He finished in the top five. Uh, let's see, uh, Madden finished sixth and won the championship. It was funny cause I'm watching the feature. I just watched the feature. I didn't watch any of the other heats and I'm watching the feature I was probably about a quarter of the way through, almost halfway through the feature. And I was thinking to myself, is, 
I wasn't, I was, had some doubts in my mind as to whether this was an extreme race because I didn't hear Madden's name at all. So it's like, he's got to be there. But then at the end, he got up to six. But uh, apparently he said that this isn't one of his better tracks, but uh, he finished six, won the championship, won $15,000. And uh, Kyle Strickler finished second in points and uh, got 8,000 for second. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you look at the top the top six really in this race, right? You got Brandon Overton, of course, he started sixth. Overton Bales, and I believe that's three consecutive top two finishes for Bales, you know, to close out this series. Yeah, I believe so. I tell you, I'm I'm, I'm impressed. He's looking really racy. Um, Dustin Mitchell, though, that's a guy I don't know. He's kind of the odd man out. You know, I don't know much about this guy. Hudson O'Neill, of course, got fourth, Kyle Strickler fifth, and then Chris Madden got sixth. And from that point back, you know, you see Parker Martin, who's kind of that kid, you know, or uh, there's really not a lot behind that. So I, I really wasn't impressed with Madden. Yeah, he won the points. He won the championship, but he just, it's like he points raced, right? You know, and I, I don't know if he can go faster than that, but he just didn't look like it wasn't a dominant win, right? So he mm -hmm. won, Strickler got second, and really, you know, um, night number two of the series or night two or three of the series, I don't know if you remember, but Strickler got in the fence in the heat, and then yep. he got in the fence in the feature. If that don't happen and he, he can round out a fifth, sixth place finish, he probably wins the series. You know, yeah, so the the World of Outlaw announcer uh, he does the announcing for he did the announcing and I don't know if you saw the post race interviews but uh, yeah he uh, reminded Kyle of that uh, that he said wall yeah and then he named the speedway that it happened <laughs> but yeah, I mean and, and that's, that's it Strickler, that was the difference Strickler took it all in all in stride he said that's racing you know that you know, it is what it is. <laughs> and, and that's the lack. I mean, he's got experience racing. I mean, the guys won a ton of races, but that night I watched that race and I'm like, what in the world is he doing? I mean, he, I mean, it was all marbles up top. He's flailing the top and it literally, it cost him a championship. And so what did it cost him? Seven grand. Cause I believe it was eight grand for yep. second, yep. 15 for first, but a pride thing too, because even though it's only a six race series, I mean, a championship's a championship. And, he, he, let's see if he makes that same mistake twice. Cause right now he's sitting in the driver's seat in another series. Um, that might be just a little bit bigger than that one. Right. So mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see how he can transfer, but overall good racing. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, Strickler's look pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with him, but the guy that I, I would say the last three races in this extreme series, but the guy that I'm most impressed with Ross Bales, um, a guy that really needs a breakout season, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe seeing him run up front in some of the World of Outlaw shows. Yeah, I mean, he was he was racing a car for somebody else other than what he races in the World of Outlaw series, and uh, he's looked really good in this car. Yeah, he sure has, and you know, so that that's it for that series. That series is over, and it's kind of a nice little six race series. You know, kind of a neat deal they put on. Then I, I got to looking at some races, and and uh, I, I knew there was some mod stuff going on down in North Carolina. There was a UMP mod deal going on, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on it to check out the mods. And I know the first night Nick Hoffman won. The last night there, that young Drake Troutman, I think he's 17 years old. 
Um, he started a couple rows back. He actually drove around Hoffman to win, um, pounding the cushion there in that MB Custom car. So good mod racing. Um, I think it was the first night or the second night they were in lap traffic. I don't know if you saw it, Bert, but Hoffman was lapping cars. And I don't, I didn't see what happened leading into it. There might have been like a little bit of an altercation. And that lap car took a swipe at him, completely missed, and drove wide open into the fence. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's stupidity at its finest right there. I mean, if you're going to try to tease somebody up, so racers, if you're watching this, if you're listening, first of all, I don't necessarily condone trying to wreck somebody on purpose when you're mad. Not saying that I may have may or may not have done that in the past, but if you're going to miss, don't stuff yourself into the wall. Okay. I'm recommending that write that down. That's a good lesson. If you miss, don't destroy your car. And uh, boy, I I got a good chuckle out of that one. I thought it was pretty good. And then I just got to looking, right. And I'm like, you know, they didn't have super late models and, and 602 crates are like the, like not even the B light models. They're like the C or B light models, right? They have the little motors. Don Shaw was there and he was there the week before in North Carolina. And he was at this event as well. I'm like, really? Don Shaw's there. And uh, Cody Overton, of course, who's Brandon's brother. I think he kind of put the, you know, he put the smack down on them guys most nights. But uh, Shaw was there the first couple nights, ran okay. Um, you know, he was, I was just surprised to see him to be completely honest with you. I'm like, what in the world? But here's the part that got me. So they weren't there at the last night. So I looked at the, I looked at my race pass. I'm like, hmm, weird. He's down there and he didn't stay through the whole thing. I'm like, that's kind of weird. So I, I saw on Facebook that his daughter posted. She says, yeah, dad got the itch to drive the other car. So they were on the way home. He jumps on an airplane. He flies to Arizona over to the Arizona Arizona Raceway or Arizona Speedway and wins his third consecutive race over there. And uh, I got to get this right because I didn't realize what the series was. The SWDRA, Southwest Dirt Racing Association, uh, super late model series, currently leading the points. Now, he's not going to run the whole thing because it kind of <laughs> goes all the way through the falls or through the fall, but um, three for three in that deal. So he won all three of them. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, it's not like the cream of the crop in Arizona late model racing. It's not, but you know, he's a guy that's become very successful in life with, you know, shot trucking. And, you know, during the summer, he's crazy busy. He's running I-94 speedway. He still races some, but this time of year, you know, he's like, well, I can go race down South and I'm not going to go buy super late model stuff. Cause I'm just not going to invest that kind of money to, to do that. I mean, he has the stuff, but that's not his focus. And so he's able to go down, have a little bit of fun. And, you know, I'm kind of envious to be honest. I mean, it's, it's, I think there's a lot of drivers that are like, Oh yeah, he didn't win against anybody good, but they're all jealous because they were at work and he was down in the warm weather racing. So, so congratulations, Don Shaw, three straight wins down there. I know he's having a blast and he wanted to run the wild West tour, the wild West shootout deal, but he had COVID. So he couldn't, right? So he was going to run some super late model stuff, but he had to sit on the sidelines. So kind of cool to be able to see him get behind the wheel. And it was just weird to me that he's in North Carolina over here. Next thing you know, he's like way the heck over here in Arizona. I'm like, what the heck is that all about? And I don't even know where he keeps his cars, right? Because they both had 42S on it. 
So I don't know how that all worked. I, I don't, it's weird to me. I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to have to get him on the show one day and kind of ask him all about that. So did you watch any of that, um, any of that racing down there, Bert? No, I, I didn't see any of that racing. Uh, I did see that it was taking place, but I didn't catch any of the action. Yeah. It was, <laughs> the most notable thing for me was that, you know, cause Don Shaw's a local guy, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't care where it is in the country. If one of our guys, even if I don't, and I like Don, but I'm saying that if it's a guy, even if I don't like the guy, right, I still kind of cheer for our guys when they go mm -hmm. out of the, the area. Yeah, okay. so, but so, but, but I do like Don Shaw, you know, I, so we'll get that clear. <laughs> so I'm not saying that. So I do like Don yeah. Shaw. Don't cause any controversy <laughs> like you did last week. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of that, yeah. So Don, uh, yeah, I, me and him never raced against each other enough to cause enough, cause each other some headaches. So, you know, that, that kind of worked out. But, yeah, I might have ruffled a feather or two last week. Uh, yeah, the my, my phone was ringing and buzzing, and I was getting text messages and people kind of sticking up for old Jerry Waggle over there at the Eagle Valley Speedway. Like, hey, he's just trying – and I get it, right? He's trying, to, he's trying to do what's best for his business. I don't agree with it, you know, especially if Menominee opens. And, and Bert, I don't know if you saw the Red Cedar Speedway. They really had kind of their – first step towards opening yeah. up I'm, I'm I, actually, I actually watched, I actually watched the city committee meeting uh when they talked about the about the speedway and um I got a sense that uh, there's one or two board board members on that committee that don't necessarily want to see the track open um but the committee did agree to uh um agree with the plan that was put forth by the speedway now it's got to go to the to a bigger board or something like that i mean i mean they still have hurdles to clear yet i mean they're they're not in the clear yet to run but at least at least there's a little bit of momentum on their side now and hopefully hopefully um as cases covid cases continue to decline and more people get the vaccine you know hopefully um they'll be able to open i mean they one of the board members did bring up the fact that you know if they don't open the fans from the city and the racers from the city they can go to other tracks insinuating that you know the city will lose business if they don't open right right and you know i think there's man i just that place forever man the, the red cedar speedway menominee wisconsin burst for 40 years I've been hearing, well, they, they're trying to shut it down. I mean, I, I I don't remember if this is exactly correct, but I feel like the track was there before the hospital was even there. And then when that came in, they're like, well, they're going to try to close the track down because of this and that and the other. And so there's always been a little contingent over there that's like, well, we don't like racing. There's obviously a, a huge contingent over there that loves racing. I mean, Menominee, Wisconsin is a big racing town. There's a lot of really successful racers that have come out of that area a lot of history there um hopefully they get that worked out you know i, I hate to see any track close especially for one year but two years would really suck in it right especially and what happens if a track closes for too long there's a lot of local guys and gals that that maybe they wanted to race kind of their home track that they don't really have the budget to travel even if it is only a half hour to an hour you know they just they want to race at home and and I, i'm going to be honest with you bert when uh you know, when people race their home track, it's easier to get their fans there. It's easier to get their friends there, their family there. 
because they only got to go a handful of miles. Even if it's 30, 40, 50 miles, you may go race there, but it's really hard to get people to follow you 30, 40, 50 miles, couple hours. That's, that's tough to do. I talked to Les Dolman about that. And he says back when he was running a late model over at uh, um, Fountain City, because he's from Winona, he's like, man, you know, like my friends came, they, they were all watching the races when they dropped late models. They had to start running up in Menominee. I mean, he had to bribe people to go if he wanted to even have anybody to go help him. You know, and that's only, you're talking an hour, you know, so that really hurts. I mean, it hurts racing in general because it kind of takes people out of the game. So I really hope they open up there in Menominee, you know, but uh, I, I may have uh, maybe kind of smacked old Carson around a little bit there in Wasota and, uh, you know, and I, I kind of threw maybe a little bit under the bus and all of a sudden my phone rings, Carson, Wasota. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is going to be good, right? And he, he jumps on the phone. He's like, you got something to say? I'm like, is the floor mine? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, I do. I, I do got some things to say. So unless, I don't care what sanctioning body it is, Bert. It could be with soda, UMP, USRA, IMCA, drivers, tracks, associations, you know, the sanctioning body. There's always there's always conflict. There's always different uh, differences in opinion. You know, and, and we had a, it turned out to be a really good conversation, you know, so my kind of tossing them under the bus kind of spurred that conversation. So I don't regret it. But the fact is he was open and listening, you know, because he's aware, you know, tracks are kind of falling out, especially like Wisconsin. Last week I said, you know, there's five Minnesota tracks. I was wrong. There's four. Eagle River don't have Minnesota classes anymore. So I was off by one the wrong way, you know, so. You know, we got to talking about that, and I asked them, and I said, you know, why are these tracks leaving? You know, you ever ask him? And he's like, I've asked them, and, like, nobody has an answer. So, you know, there there may be issues with the sanctioning body, Bert, with, with oh, I'll just talk, we're talking with soda. There might be issues there, but what I'm urging, if you're a promoter, if you're a driver, write these down, okay? Any Anything that you would like to see with soda do better, right? Write it down and don't just write down the problem. Why don't you write down a viable solution to the problem as well? Okay. It starts there, right? Because me included, right? And now I, I've changed. I've become more solution oriented later in life. But for many years, I'd, I'd complain a lot. And I still like to complain once in a while, Bert. Don't smile when I say that. All right. So <laughs> the fact is, it's just the way it is. We're passionate about what we do. We all want things to get better. but don't just jump on Facebook and complain. Don't just bicker amongst your friends and complain. Number one, write down what you'd like to see different. And this goes for any sanctioning body, right? But write down what you'd like to see different, then write down a viable solution, and then get it in the hands of the people that can actually make a difference and do something about it. So that's the challenge I have. And it, you know, actually, at the end of the day, I appreciated that phone call because it went good. I'm on the phone for better part of an hour. And, you know, that it, it kind of went both ways. And, you know, I kind of got a sense that, you know, he, he wants the right things for Wasota, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like Jerry McGuire, help me help you help me help you. And if, if he doesn't, if, if Wasota and all that, if they don't know what the issues are and they're not hearing it with solutions behind it, how can it get better? So I guess that's well, my, that's my point there. So 
it sounds like there needs to be a little bit more communication because I mean, obviously, if a track is dropping with soda, I mean, there's a reason for it. They're not just dropping it for no reason. So it's a case of you have to dig deeper and find out ultimately what it, why are you leaving? And, um, you know, I mean, every track has its own reasons. I mean, I know when, when Shano and other Eastern Wisconsin tracks were part of Wissota, you know, we always felt, I know I talked to a lot of drivers and they always felt like on the Eastern side of the state, we were like on an Island that, you know, Wissota just forgot about, you know, because, you know, Wissota, when I think of Wissota, I think of Minnesota, Western Wisconsin and the Dakotas. I don't necessarily think of Eastern Wisconsin. And uh, that's the way other drivers kind of felt too. And eventually the tracks felt that way too. And, and uh, decided to go unsanctioned. Well, clearly Western Wisconsin's feeling a little bit left out now too. So, I mean, wow. and, and, and same thing with North Dakota, they're starting to feel left out clearly too. So I think you're, you're right on though, that communication. And I don't care if it's your relationship at home. I don't care if it's your relationship, you know, with employees or your boss. I don't care what the, any relationship, whether it's drivers to promoters to the, to the sanctioning body, communication is the key you know so there's got to be that communication and 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 all sides are guilty and and i i'm i'm the first one to say wasoda's got some issues i mean i love the idea of wasoda but you know there's some changes that definitely need to be made and i addressed many of those with carson now we'll see how it goes from there if anything happens but you know they got to i mean you look at the facebook page there for example and they have like three or four posts since the beginning of December on the Facebook page, they should be promoting their tracks. They should be promoting their drivers. There should be stuff. They should, they should be doing something and, and there, there's nothing mm -hmm. going on. So, so there's a lot of moving pieces in there, but regardless, the conversation was able to happen all in all. I think everybody that gets involved with racing kind of has the idea of, well, I, I, I want to make racing better. I, I'm involved with racing because I like racing, right? You know, so everybody wants it to go. People got different different opinions on how to make that happen, but few, there's few out there that really step up and go above and beyond to actually grow the sport, right? And and you can see the tracks and, you know, we've talked about that in the past. We don't need to get into all the different tracks on who's good, who's not, but there's some tracks out there that are really stepping up their game. Like, it's like, it's like they put themselves on the map and it's like, man, these guys are doing awesome. There's series directors out there that are like taking the series and exploding a, a given series, whatever that may be. And then there's tracks out there that are going, well, we can't make this work. Well, do something different. You know, I don't know what to tell you. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. It's business. So, you know, it, it's just part of it. And, but it was, it was, uh, it was pretty comical because I, uh, it's kind of fun to ruffle in feathers once in a while and, you know well and i mean i i'm and i'm not just saying wasoda but other organizations too you know they don't want to hear negative things about them but sometimes they need to hear negative things they need as long as you do it constructively you know constructive criticism can be helpful i mean don't look at don't look at it as as being a negative i mean listen to it, learn from it and, and move forward and try to develop something better. 
and and that's one thing that he talked about. He's like, oh man, you talked about the negative stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. Give me something positive. You know, <laughs> and and I told him that. I said, if Wasota goes, goes and does something that's positive, right? If they do something that's like, hey, guess what we just did, right? Tell people so we hear about it, right? Because just like the news, right? All they all they talk about is all the negative stuff that gets ratings, right? So, so give us some positive stuff to talk about. And I guarantee both of us on here would like to share some positive stuff. Now, now, Bert, here's the deal. When I was racing, right, I was always the same way. I was the guy at the pit meeting saying, this is BS. This is, I can't believe you're doing this shit. What the hell? Fix the track. What the hell's wrong with you? Like, hey, old sucks. And the officiating's terrible. Like, I, that was me. I learned that from Tom Nesbitt, one of my heroes, by the way. And I was very vocal. A guy that was not quite so vocal got some big news up in the northern part of Wasota, right? So I'm, did you see that big news? I know you're, you know, you're you're an eastern Wisconsin guy, but I know <laughs> you've heard of this guy. All right. What's <laughs> happening in the Wasota late model world, Bert? Well, Harry Hansen's coming back to race again. So and I mean he's been racing forever. Um, yeah, he ran he ran the non-wing sprint cars there for a couple. Or he ran wing too. He was running sprint cars, but back in the late model, I think it's his 49th year of racing. And uh yeah, he's back in the late model. Sounds like he's got a rocket. He's gonna run one of them 525 crate motors. Um Pat Capella KME um up in Kewatin is gonna be his primary sponsor. I believe he owns that operation. But uh so uh, you, you know Harry at all? You ever you ever seen him race? I, I mean, I know who Harry Hansen is. I've never really spoken to him. Uh, I know a lot of the guys. Well, not a lot, but some of the guys from MJ McBride's pit crew uh, that I was a part of. Uh, they knew him really well because uh, you know MJ would go race at the Punky Manor every year. That was like one of our favorite racing trips of the of the year. And we always stayed at the, I think it was called the, I think it was the best Western. It's no longer there. They tore it down, but there, there was a bar in the, in the hotel, which was, which was nice because then you didn't have to worry about how to get to your hotel because you're already there. But yeah, Harry Hansen was always down there after the, after Lions. the races. And so uh, actually a lot of drivers would come down, the, down into that bar and, um, there's a lot of good times in that bar. <laughs> Harry never way. drank a beer. You're, you're full of it. You're, now, now you're just lying to all our, all of our viewers. No, here, here's the deal with Harry. So first of all, Harry, I mean, he's won a lot of races. I mean, he's he's won a lot of stuff. Probably, I would say if he's not the most you know, winningest late model driver kind of in that area up there, he's dang close. I mean, he's won a lot of races. You know, but Harry, a couple of things about Harry that stuck out to me is Number one, like he was the opposite of ruffling feathers most of the time. I'm not saying he never did, but you ever heard of the Michael Jordan effect? Have you ever heard of that? Yes. So, so for viewers, right? If you're listening to this, the Michael Jordan effect is this, right? Before every NBA game, when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, he'd be out on there. He'd be talking to the refs and be like, you know, hey, how's your kid doing? How old's he doing? Or how old is he? And you know, you know, how's his game and how's the family doing? He'd be smoozing with all of the rest. And everybody that's watched any basketball when Michael Jordan played, that guy traveled more than anybody in the history of basketball, right? But he never got called for it. Why? 
because if it was close, they're like, man, I, I like him. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way and call traveling and fall on him and this and that. Why? Because he was buddies. The the refs literally are like, oh, he's my friend. You know, Michael, I'm, I'm friends with Michael. They probably went home and they're like, honey, I, you know, Michael says, hi, you know, I, he's asking about the kids and they're like, Michael Jordan, you know, I mean, I mean, we're just, we're friends. Harry Hansen had the same deal, still does. Harry Hansen's a guy that would hang out with the officials and they, you know, come on down, have a beer after the races. And I remember Don Hankey going down there and the flag man down there and the corner guys down there and everybody hanging out at Harry's and like that guy jumped more than anybody in the history of jump starts at the Hibbing Raceway. You can watch back some of the old tapes. He'd fire away early and just let it go. The next race, somebody would jump by a little bit and he'd get docked a couple spots. I'd be like, how the hell that happen? Well, you got to you gotta get a case of beer and get, get the officials down and, and hang out with you. So Harry was very wise that way. I always, I'm like, man, he's an ass kisser. Well, no, he's just smart, right? When you're racing for money and you're getting a paycheck, it's probably good to be on the right side of things. I had this conversation with a good buddy of mine, Jeff Kraus, and, and he's more like me, right? When something went wrong, he was going to voice his opinion and he was going to tell you all about it. And he's like, man, I keep getting, I keep getting these bad calls. Any questionable call I get put to the back. I'm like, do you know why that is? <laughs> like you need to zip it. Right. Which is hard to do for me and him because we're volatile. We like to share our opinion. But Harry was pretty smart that way. But the other thing that, you know, in that, right, not just did he have officials down at his car, that guy right there, I mean, it would be crazy how many people were at his car after the races. It was nothing to see 30, 40, 50 people hanging out there and, you know, a little bit of music playing and they'd be drinking beer. And I remember they'd go to the corner bar and hibbing afterwards and a whole bunch of people would follow them and like, that guy knew how to build a fan base, right? You know, race fans like to drink beer. Heard the rumor. Might happen once in a while, right? But think about that for just a minute. You know, you think about back in the day, people always came down in the pits after the races, right? You know, do you see that much anymore, Bert? Um, it's probably not like it was in in past years i mean in in i mean i'm i relate more to shano speedway because i'm there more often than i'm at other tracks and it's it the fans uh usually still interact pretty much after the races with the drivers how uh, many classes them. how many classes do they have five how long is the race program it depends i mean it's usually over by 10 10 30 what time does it start? Um, starts at six or six thirty. I can't even remember off the yeah, top. So you still head. look. You're still looking yeah. at a four-ish hour race program. Yeah. Okay. I mean, one one thing that helps at Shano is a good portion of uh, the pits are located actually directly behind the grandstand. I mean, you can actually you can actually converse with met with people in the pits. Uh, throughout the whole race program because the pits are separated from from the grandstand area by a chain link fence okay um which is one of the cool things about shano um when the world of outlaws would 
would come to Shanhol, you know, all the outlaw late models would be lined up directly behind the grandstand and, you know, uh, the fans can watch, could watch what was going on and stuff. So they have a, Shanhol has a little bit of a unique situation there because the pits are so close to the grandstand area and that kind of happened by accident um i mean this was several you know quite a few years ago already because they used to park all the all the race cars in in the infield and then they're uh they got a lot of rain one week and so they were forced to park the cars on the outside of the track and um it worked out really well and plus by by being able to park out there, you get those big haulers out of the infield because, you know, as the haulers got bigger, it got tougher. You know, you had to sit so high up in the, in the grandstand in order to see the backside of the track. So, uh, Shano's a little bit unique in that regard. That is the uh, entire pits behind the grand. Do they pit anybody in the infield anymore? No, there, there still are vehicles in the infield. Uh, but like most of the late models and quite a few of the modifieds will pit on the outside. Okay. Um, okay. Usually it's, it's the four cylinders. Um, uh, most of the four cylinders are uh, in the infield and um, uh, some of the IMCA stock cars are in the infield yet too. And some okay. assort, uh, assorted modifieds too. But uh, so I want to so, talk about the impact this has. Right, because a lot of people are like, it's just one guy, Terry. Big deal, Terry Hansen. He's come back, facing a late model. Big deal, right? One, what kind? Who cares? It's one guy. It ain't that big of a story. Oh shit, it's a big story because that guy right there, Bert. I'm here to tell you that there's 30, 40, 50 people that come to the racetrack just for him. Like they're only there to watch him. And when he quit racing late models. You know, a couple of years back, a lot of them people just simply quit going to the races. They're like, you know, hey, I'm going to watch Harry, right? Some of those people were Brad Hansen fans too. No, I don't think there's a relation there. I don't think. Um, but they that's kind of the same area. And, and they quit coming. But Harry had such a big, big following that when you look at a fan base and you have, I don't know, 600 people on a regular night of racing, if you can add 30, 40, 50 more people, that's a big chunk, right? So, and then not just in Hibbing, but that could be in Superior, that could be in Grand Rapids, that could be in Proctor, you know? So he, Harry has a big following and it kind of gets me thinking, you know, a lot of, especially in our area, the Wasoda area, you know, a lot of the tracks decided lately, I, I don't get why, hey, we got to have five, six, seven classes of cars. It makes no sense to me. And That's, and, the, that's called the Puka effect. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's probably got something to do with that. I, honestly, like, I think he's probably sponsoring under the table to make them add more classes. There's prob you're, you're probably right there. I'm going to have to have a talk with him. I mean, I, I don't really get it. You know, I think that that's a bunch of bunks. So Puka, you know, we're going to have to have a discussion, right? <laughs> so the fact <laughs> is these race programs are going, some of them, right? Five hours, five and a half hours, six hours. I've seen invitationals, 10, 11, 12 hours. Nobody wants to hang out after that. They're tired. They're wore out. They want to go home, right? And so you got that problem right there. Well, if you get that race program down to a three, 
three hours is kind of the window, but anything three and a half is okay. You get much longer than that. You're losing people. They, they don't want to sit there all night. So, and, and if you have a condensed race program, that's two and a half hours to two forty-five. Well, you can do some neat stuff like some driver's intros on a bigger night and you can add that stuff in without pissing everybody off that you're sitting there all night. Well, as a, as a dry, as a fan, okay, I'm not talking as a fan prior to my years of racing, but when I watched the races, I only wanted to watch a handful of people. Like, I, I mean, I love racing, but when I was a kid, right, especially, it's like I wanted to watch my dad and I wanted to watch the, some of the people that I knew, Joel Kreiderman, was, I was a big fan of his, Ron Jones, you know, I wanted to watch those people, Leon Plank. I had certain people I wanted to watch. And guess what? I look up at the races. If there's nobody that like I was a huge fan of, I didn't even watch. Like I went and ran around with my friends and kind of did my thing. Why? Because I had no tie to that driver, right? I'm like, I had no tie to that person. So what, what makes that tie is, is that interaction after the races. And, and Harry was such a master, still is. He's a master of that. It's going to be good to see that back where he has fans coming down and that interaction. And there's people that are passionate about watching him race. And, and I think that if we had more of that today, the grandstands wouldn't be empty at half these tracks. So whether it's the after the race thing, the before the race thing, the during the race program, the meet the drivers type stuff, there's got to be more fan interaction because there's a lot of drivers out there, Bert, right now that are, are good racers. I mean, good racers. I don't, I'm just going to throw one under the bus. He's a buddy of mine, Kevin Burke, right? He is absolutely the worst in the entire, like, with soda at building a fan base. There ain't anybody worse than Kevin Burdick at it. So, Kevin, if you're listening, yes, you you suck at that. Like, you're absolutely <laughs> terrible at that. He's like the last guy out of the racetrack. He's so he, he usually, because he works, right? So he usually shows up like the race has already started half the time. And he's pretty much always gone before the races are even done, right? And, and I get it. He's got a little drive. I get it, right? But there's something to be said for building that fan base. It opens up opportunity. One, it's better for the sport, right? Because you're going to have fans and they're going to be passionate. They're going to keep coming back. So that's number one but it opens up opportunity for sponsors, right? If you're the guy that hangs around and you're mingling and you're fun to be around pretty soon, people that like racing are like, man, this guy wins races. Plus he's fun to be around. I think I'm going to go ahead and throw some money at him. Hmm. How did Harry Hansen get a free ride racing? I wonder, not just because he's good. There's a lot of good drivers, but the guy's personable. The guy was fun to be around. So that, that, that kind of created that. So Harry was a master at that. See, that was an art form. And some of these drivers, I wasn't very good at it either. So Burdick probably copied me. Like I didn't always leave right away, but I wasn't the one that wanted to sit around and mingle all night. And so I wanted to get home, get my car on the scales and get it ready for the next day. I was like OCD. And, and that's probably why I didn't have some of the same big, huge opportunities that other people had. But I'm excited there, Bert, because you know, Harry's a great addition. And now, you know, we talked about Jamie Lodiger last week. And now we're adding Harry Hansen in the mix, the late models. And I never thought I would say this ever. I think last year there was several nights where the late models had the highest car count at the Hibbing Raceway. 
and now they just added two more. And, uh, you know, Jamie Lodinger, he's a pretty good racer too, but Harry Hansen, he's going to be a force. There's a guy that, you know, Jeffrey Massengill, Derek Vessel, Kyle Peterland, Bravo, you guys look out. <laughs> this guy here, he's flat out going to steal a few wins from you guys. There ain't no doubt about it. So Harry Hansen, welcome back to real race cars. Keith, sorry, buddy. I love you, but late models are better than non-wing sprints all day long. So with that said, uh, we got a lot of, there's a lot of upcoming racing this week for lots. So last week we had like, you know, before I jump off that, is there anything you want to add on, on, on Harry Hansen? No, I mean, other than the fact, I mean, it's, it's nice to see uh, a well-known, I mean, my, you can say legend coming back. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's one thing about racing is, you know, when compared to other sports is you can, you can race longer than you can play football or baseball or that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good to see. Um, Don't say hockey. You're going to piss off Puka. He's still playing <laughs> hockey. He's like 50 or something. I'm not exactly sure. He's I think a couple <laughs> years older than I am. So, um, you know, and he's not on here to say any different. So it just is what it is. So maybe you can play hockey till you're 65. I don't know. Puka's probably going to try. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it, it's good to, good to see him back in a late model and uh you know and it's impressive if the late model division is the highest car count at a track uh you know that's something we don't have the luxury of in eastern wisconsin <laughs> well i'm gonna do some i'm gonna do some research in fact i'm gonna write this down um i i was talking to derek vessel and derek vessel told me that a new 525 crate motor is cheaper than a brand new top of the line Midwest mod concept engine. Okay. I'm, I'm going to do some research so I can get some actual viable numbers on that. But you know, the cars, the cars are not that far apart on, on cost. I mean, you've got 25, 26 grand into a B mod and in a late model, I mean, it's probably I, I'm 35 or something like that. So it's not a huge difference, but the purse is like four times as much for a late model than it is a Midwest mod. So I think some people are seeing that, boy, that late model class done right. You can race at that at a pretty competitive level and, and the money's not that much different, but you're getting paid way more. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. We got some, we got some pretty good late model guys in the area up there. We just added one more. So it's going to be a fun season and coming up here in a week or two, we're going to be talking about our uh, 2021 preseason top 10 power rankings. We're going to start talking about the different regions and maybe who we put in the top three in different regions coming up here um, because we're literally, what, six, seven weeks from some areas, eight weeks, maybe seven weeks. Cedar Lake would be the first one. That's early April. So we're not too far away from uh, – some late model racing in the power rankings region. Yeah, so, I mean, Shannon Speedway is mid-April, whatever, I think it's like the second second Saturday of April. Yeah, so there you go. So we got some stuff coming. We got some stuff coming. Now, let's talk about what's coming this week. So there was supposed to be two World of Outlaw late model races. Of course, one of them canceled. Um, looks like they had a bunch of rain. They got rain coming. I'm, I'm guessing... You know, I've been involved with tracks. If they ain't been on the track and it looks like it's soft, they look probably looked at it and said, mm, that just ain't going to happen. 
but uh, Smoky Mountain still going to get theirs in. So we got one World of Outlaw race coming up. Um, just go ahead, quick, Bert. Who, who's who's your pick this weekend at Smoky Mountain in Tennessee? I'm going to go out on a limb this week, and uh, I am going to take uh, the Voodoo Child, <laughs> Black Sunshine. Oh, I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Bert, Bert is taking Bloomer. Okay. So I talked to our I talked to our uh, our staff there. Um, you know, Pete, Pete, he said uh, Chris Smokey Madden, and it sounds like Madden has it on his schedule. At first, I'm like, I don't know if he's gonna go. You know, it's a World of Outlaw deal doesn't necessarily follow, but it's down in Tennessee. So uh, Jeff said that Madden has it on his schedule. Pete took Madden. Jeff said, there's no way. Um, after this break, that Rocket One doesn't park this baby in victory lane. So he's he's got he's got Rocket One. Keith is going with Overton, and he's like, I don't know for sure if he's going. So I'm gonna take Overton my first pick. But he goes, I'm gonna actually take Scott Bloomquist if Overton's not there. I'll go with that. <laughs> Two picks. I don't think. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I guess I don't know if he's gonna go or not. But uh, he's got him and. Boy, that kind of uh, throws a couple curveballs. They're down in Tennessee down there, and, you know, it's, it's pretty stacked. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going I'm to say that uh, a guy that's been running good, he has three impressive finishes in a row. I'm going to take Ross Bales is who I'm going to take for this one. I'm going to take Bales, so I'm going to write that down so I can – so I don't forget. So so that's what we got going on there for Wolfman Late Models. Now, now Bert, there's also there's also more racing going on. So at Boot Hill Speedway, um, I don't know if you saw what's going on at Boot Hill, but it's the Ronnie Adams Memorial. Um, and it's the, the beginning of the Comp Cam Super Late Model series. Friday night is three thousand to win, Saturday night is seven thousand to win, and I believe that's gonna be on flow. So you know, that is down in, I don't know. Do you know where Boot Hill is? I do not. I don't. That's got to be, oh, here it is, right? No, I don't know where it is. We'll have to, we'll have to look that up. I should have that. That's an epic fail. I'm going to blame Bert for that one. Actually, I'm going to <laughs> Who could drop the ball on that one? He didn't even tell me where that is. So the Southern All-Stars are starting up, too. So the Southern All-Stars, they got the March Madness. That's also on the 6th and 7th. And uh, the 7th is 10,000 to win, Bert for the Southern All-Stars down there. Maybe that's a, that might be a place where you see maybe Overton go. That's at Cherokee. That's Gaffney, South Carolina. Um, who knows where he's going to, he wasn't at the extreme race. He was going to be there, but that is, uh, yeah, 10,000 to win. Boy, that, that could be, so there's, there's quite a bit of racing coming up here. So that's a 10,000 to win race against the 12,000 to win World of Outlaw race. So March Madness, now, one thing I remember about the Southern All-Stars, Bert, that announcer is, like, unique. He's 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 the, he's the brother down there that he's kind of got that WWE wrestling style, like, you know, that deal. This guy, uh, it's worth watching that race just to listen to the announcer because the first time I listened to that kind of like, this dude is, like, off his chain, like, what <laughs> in the world? But then I actually listened to him and, amidst all that like craziness right this dude actually knows what he's talking about like he's actually like pretty informed he had nicknames for everybody that i've never heard before you know but uh i'm gonna have to jump on i think that one's on flow but i'm not 100 percent sure you'll just have to you'll have to look it up cherokee speedway um 
you'll have to look that up. Probably going to be on flow because most of them were on dirt on dirt last year, them Southern All-Stars deals. So, so I'm assuming that is too. Now, no, Keith, we didn't forget about you, buddy. We did not forget about you, right? World of Outlaws, the sprint cars are back in action this week. Um, they're going to run Friday over at um, Volusia. Saturday, they're going to run over at East Bay. This is kind of the rescheduled deal. They're supposed to go out west. Um, Mother Nature and COVID <laughs> kind of canceled that whole deal. So we're still dealing with that nonsense. But uh, the fact is, back to back, we got a double header coming up down in the Sunshine State. And who's your pick there, um, Bert? Who do you got? Are we picking you, you for both pick, days? Yeah, you can pick for both days. Why not? Let's, let's do it. Um, I'll take Shoehart and give me shots. Are you taking which one at which one at which? Shoehart, Shoehart at Volusia, Volusia and shots at East Bay. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good pick because Logan Shoehart won the series down there at Volusia. Um, he looked really good down there um, during speed weeks and and. You know, if I had to pick somebody right now, he's he's kind of one of my, I, I would say he's my pick to win that win it all. I mean, to dethrone Brad Sweet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go at Volusia, and I hate to do this, Bert. I hate to do this, but I, I'm gonna have to follow suit. That was my pick, <laughs> and I, I don't want to change it because I I think I think you're right on there. So I got I got Shuhart there, but for East Bay, I'm gonna go with none other than uh, Brad Sweet over at East Bay now. We did get, uh, we, you know, we got some picks here from our guys, too. Um, Pete just picked one guy, and so did Keith. So Pete said uh, the redhead stepchild, he's going to get her done. He's got Brad Sweet. And Keith, uh, he's he's on the Sheldon train. And I was just talking uh, a little bit with another sprint car buddy of mine, Keith or uh, Kevin Engel over in Huron, and we were talking. It's like, this guy is checkers or wreckers. Like, Sheldon Hoddenchild is fun to watch, right? The wild child kid. And he is wide open. Um, boy, if you don't wreck, he's going to be in the front. And Jeff, he actually, Jeff went on a limb here, and he said Donnie Schatz, who also was quick at Volusia, is going to get win number 300. And I don't know if you remember, but down at Speed Weeks, he was literally a couple laps away from winning number 300, and, and uh, the MSD box failed on him, and it cost him that win. And then at East Bay, he's going to go also. He's going with Sheldon Hottenchild at East Bay. So we get to watch some World of Outlaws here this week. Excited about that. And uh, remember we talked last week, we made some picks for the mods. The mods, the USMTS mods are making their trip to Texas here this weekend because Mother Nature did not allow that to happen last week. So they're going down there for the Texas Spring Nationals. Friday is going to be at the RPM Speedway. Saturday is going to be at the Super Bowl Speedway. Bert, both of these 10 grand to win. $70,000 to win the USMTS Championship. And every single race is a minimum of five grand to win. Several or 10, including this double uh, double header. Big news from Wasota Country. South Dakota, uh, hot shoe, young driver, Jason Good. Um, Todd and Vicky Good are his parents. They actually run one of my favorite tracks, the Casino Speedway over in Watertown. Um, they made the decision. Jason Good is now going to follow the entire 36-show USMTS tour. So excited. Another Wissota guy heading down there. 
and uh, we made our picks. I, I said, I said Jesse Glenn's is gonna get her done. That's who I picked, and I believe I'll just go ahead. Who did you pick? I took Sanders, I believe. You took Sanders, and Keith said that uh, he only can fall in love with one open wheel class. He goes, so I'm off and out of the modified <laughs> class. He says I won't even pick them dumb things, is what he said. So, yeah, well, I, I won't even tell you what the other two told him about that one. But uh, Jeff, he said that Johnny Scott, a former, so he's a late model guy. He's going to be running a mod down there, Johnny and Stormy, I believe. I don't know about Stormy, but it sounds, Stormy, I guess I haven't heard that for sure, but I think he is too. But Johnny Scott is going to run. He said he's going to win night one. And night number two, he said Big Daddy, uh, I think it's Joe Duvall is going to win. Bert, did you see his car? Did you see a picture of his car? Um, Are you talking? the trans am one nope nope get a modified oh, okay. yeah on the on the door the the primary sponsor on the door it says my wife's credit card oh okay no i did not see that <laughs> i like that's good stuff and, and he's successful he's a business guy i think he's got an electrical business i think um but uh that's who jeff's got pete has uh you're defending usmps uh champion rodney sanders to win night one he has TP Terry Phillips to win night two. I'm going to give him Sanders for both because I'm about 99% pos positive that Terry Phillips is going to be at Boot Hill running the late model, um, but I'm not 100% positive whether might play in on that. So USMPS, that's on Race and Dirt. Um, they're going to follow, they of course follow the whole USMPS uh, series and super excited to see that. Bert, I'm expecting some big car phones. I mean, they're they're talking they're talking seventy plus US MTS modifieds down there. Uh, good luck to all of our guys. Nothing against the guys down there, but I hope our guys from the north come down and kick all your all asses. That's what I'm kind of hoping. So again, I'm a homer. It is what it is. Now Alltech, they had a Alltech is where I think that's where they had the Kyle Larson show, right? Is that where he just put the spanking on him at, at Speed Weeks? That was Alltech, right? Yeah, I think I think you're right. Did you see the race coming up at Alltech this weekend? Um, no, but you mentioned that they have a hundred lap, ten thousand dollar to win pure stock race. Pure stock, pure stock, ten thousand. Now, I I can understand. I mean, having a big race for them, ten thousand, but a hundred laps that that's that could be brutal. <laughs> I don't know how many are going to be left. It'll be it'll be interesting. It's a big half mile. So a big half mile there, um, it's going to be interesting. I, I'd be curious to see how many cars show up for that deal. That's going to be on flow. Yeah, 10,000 to win pure stock race. I'm like, interesting, interesting. They Florida's kind of weird. They don't have any, like, big, giant late model shows. I think, like, pretty much everything's 10, 15, right? But they had a, a big crate late deal. Now they got a big, uh, a big deal here for the pure stocks as well. So that's interesting. And Keith, little little bonus for you. Port Royal, um, they open up this weekend. The old uh, Pennsylvania Posse boys, um, they're going to be racing some sprint cars up there. I believe that's going to be on flow. I think, I think it's going to be on flow. I think that's on. Um, I'm pretty sure that's on there. Now, a little bit of more news up there, and you might be familiar with the series. I'm not real familiar with it. The MLRA series. Um, it's, uh, is it the mid, is that Midwest Lucas oil? Is that what that is? Or what's MLRA stand for? You know, 
The L is Lucas. Luke, I thought so because they run at Lucas yeah. Oil Speedway, and uh, but but Hot Shoe up there, and I like to call him the poor man's Bobby Pierce. Um, Jake Tim is actually going to be racing the full series. He made the announcement here last week. He's going to follow the whole MLRA series, and he's going to transition his primary focus over to the fat tire cars. He's going to go primarily late model racing. So, and uh, they kind of, I kind of felt they were going that way, Bert, because at the end of last year, they they kind of traveled a bit, right? They they kind of uh-huh. hit some southern shows, and and I know that Mississippi Thunder, of course, uh, Bob Tim, owner of that track, they uh, they're having an MLRA race up there. And did you happen to see uh, the Jake Tim shirts? Uh yeah. Uh, you you sent me a picture of them. They they are they do look pretty cool. Yeah. And did you see what it says underneath his name? Did you read I it? I didn't look that close. It said, "King of Cushions." Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's good stuff. So so he's aware that he likes charging the cushion, but he's also fully aware that sometimes it comes out. You know, at the end of the race, there's no deck tin left or spoilers gone or whatever, but he's fun to watch. And uh, good luck to Jake Tim and that really. Well, uh, and I'm going to do a shameless promotion at this time. Um, uh, look for an upcoming article written by me in Dirt Empire magazine about Jake Tim. So nice. There, there's no shame. There's no shame in that. You gotta, <laughs> if you're a race fan, you got to check that out. That's a, that's an absolute must. Now. A little bit more news, right? So there was, a, speaking of articles, there was an article on the Dirt on Dirt page about uh, multi, multi-time, multi I think three or four-time um, Lucas Oil late model champion, Jonathan Davenport. We talked about last week, Bert, that I saw his name on the entry list for the Bristol Dirt Nationals. And we're like, boy, does that mean he's not going to follow the Lucas Oil series? I mean, he's, he's, he's running that and in the article, it said, we're going to roll the dice and we're going to hope one of them rains out. You know, right now they're they're focusing on the big money shows. And I don't know if you saw in the article, but it also said, you know, that it's good to go for the money. The bad part is you're not guaranteed anything, right? If you're one of the, if you're following the Lucas, if you're a contracted Lucas or World of Oka guy, you don't make the show, you get a provisional. And then you get your guaranteed tow money. Well, if you're just chasing the big money like this, there ain't no guaranteed provisional. There ain't no guaranteed dough money. You got to perform. And uh, I don't know how to say it without just saying it, but that's kind of questionable because he ain't been performing all that well. So he best he best step it up a notch because, uh, you know, there ain't no provisional land for the 49 now. So what's your thoughts about Davenport running the fully committing that he's going for the big money? Well, I mean, you're right in the fact that, you know, in the article, basically he's hoping that it rains out that those two Lucas races get rained out. So then he doesn't need to make a decision later on. Um, I don't have a problem with him doing this. I mean, I I think he could make a lot of money racing regionally because I mean, it seems like every week there's tracks throwing up 10,000 to win shows and, you know, that are, that are not Lucas or world of outlaw shows. Um, but later on in that article, I think because he stated, he, he stated in the article that one of the reasons he wanted to 
he wants to race at Bristol because, you know, it's such a prestigious racetrack. Well, there's a World of Outlaws show coming up in April that doesn't conflict with the Lucas schedule now. So if he wanted, if that's his reasoning, he could race later. But I think ultimately what it came down to is hit what his sponsor has a deal with Kyle Bush racing a late model. And I think ultimately his sponsor wants to race at Bristol and they have Kyle Bush in one of his cars. So I think ultimately, I think that's the reason he's in Bristol. You know, I think you're exactly right. <clears throat> I think that's really what it come down to is Rowdy uh, getting back behind the wheel of a late model before the cup race there. And, you know, I think there, there's definitely something to that. But it also pays way more. The Bristol Dirt National. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And plus, not only does it pay more, right, but that gets you in the, the double down or the triple crown double down or whatever they call oh, it. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So when he goes to Vegas at the end of the year, he's running for double purse. So so I tell you, when, when his head's in the game, he's one of the best in the business. Right. He is a phenomenal race car driver. But that's something that's been questioned from last year, not just from us, but from the Dirt on Dirt crew and all that, talking about his level of confidence. So he's a guy that he's got to get a little bit of an upheaval of momentum, you know, to, to boost his confidence, so to speak. So he's going to have to have a couple good runs to have his head on right to be able to perform at a high level. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, I tell you, there's a lot of money on the line at that deal. And we're only, what, a week and a half away, I think, or a couple weeks away from the Bristol yeah. Bird Nationals. And lots of hype for that one, like 1,400 cars. And I know, I I mean, you and I, we're, we're excited about, you know, the late models and especially, you know, the mods. Puka's most excited about the Hornets. I know, I mean, <laughs> everybody's got their favorite class. You're also going to be watching some of the IMCA stuff because, your Eastern guys are going, yeah. I got some Wasota guys going down to run the mod deal. So that's going to be a fun show to watch. Of course, that's going to be on XR. So we'll be all checking that out as well. Um, well, you know, and you know, they're, they're building more hype because uh, uh, videos been released over the last week of practices taking place there. And, you know, so you're, you're getting a little bit more excited. Uh, I don't know if you saw that uh, Kyle Brown uh, had a, IMCA stock car there and after he blew the engine after 10 laps he said it was a brand new engine they just dynoed it a couple of days prior to him going down there I'm here to tell you that's a big <laughs> fast racetrack so man oh man I mean it's it's a motorator if that place is heavy you're on the pump all the way around the track and and Volusia this year for the mods it was pretty slick most of the time even when it was even when it was wet, it was more greasy than it was like hammered out. But uh, when that place was sticky, it just killed engines. So, you know, the, the drivers, the drivers better hope for it to be a little slicker. I hope it's not because it'd be really boring if it's super slick, right? I want to see like a little bit of something out there, but it'll be interesting to see. Speaking of Bristol, you know, there, there was some debate, you know, um, on what people thought. You know, I'm going to start with this about the, not that race, but the following one, right? The World of Outlaws, the World Racing Group, essentially going to the invite-only format for all the other classes. And uh, in the area especially, there were some people that may or may not been a little bit of 
butthurt over this deal. Um, first of all, what is what is your actual opinion on the invite only event? Um, well, I mean, obviously, when you have an invite only event, there's going to be controversy because it. I mean, and I mean, I I don't know if that's why they do it. I mean, there's not necessarily the media presence with this type of a race, but you know, like that's one of the big things about the NCAA basketball tournament is who's in and who's out. And, you know, they have TV shows about that, just discussing who's in and who's out. Um, Actually, you know, in that aspect, they look for the controversy. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure if the world racing group was looking for a controversy here. Um, But there's, there's always going to be some controversy when you have an invite only. I mean, we saw that last year at Eldora for the stream streaming races. Speaking of controversy, right? You know, there was people that were all butthurt to Kenny Wallace and, you know, how come these guys get to go and I don't get to go? And Kenny Wallace used to be a pretty positive guy. It's kind of fun to listen to. He jumps on. He's got a couple-minute deal every day, and he's usually just kind of funny and quirky and whatever. He put Ryan Rance to shame. Ryan's rant to shame, man. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but he had like a 45-minute deal, and I don't know, maybe it was – it was Friday, maybe he did that, and he just come unglued because I don't know who the guy was, if it was another competitor or somebody, but somebody jumped on there and they said, this NASCAR money's ruining racing, you know, people like Hoffman and people like Strammy and people like Kenny Wallace, you know, they're, they're ruining modified racing, and this guy, and it, it literally set Herm off. I'm like, and he ranted and ranted, and he's like, I got lots of topics and I'm going to set some people straight. And he was throwing F bombs and there's people like literally like, Hey, my kids are watching. You need to watch your mouth. And, and he's like, I'm pissed off. Like, I don't care. And like, it was, I'm telling you, it was entertaining. So if you, if you haven't watched that, um, go to Kenny Wallace's Facebook page and scroll back. Just, a couple just days. Don't watch it with your kids. <laughs> don't watch it with your kids. Unless they're at the track with the cussing and yelling at the guy that just ran India, then it's perfectly fine. I know there's none of that in racing, right? <laughs> you know, in fact, one of them was a Harry Hansen fan. Actually, he was a fan of mine, too. I remember uh, Sam Skolsky got into me one night, and this little kid, he's like eight years old. He come down, oh, where's that effing Skolsky at? I'm going to go rip him. And I'm like, this kid's like eight. I'm like, he's like, he screwed you over. F him. And I'm like, eight years old. I'm like, this kid's kind of cool. I like him. He's, he's going to, like, he should be my pit guy. And, uh, but yeah, the fact is he, he went off and, you know, I'm going to ask you this, you know, you look at, you kind of look at that thought process, right? You know, do you think that, uh, you think maybe that guy was right? Do you think he was wrong? Do you think that these, I'm specifically talking modified racing, do you think that, you know, maybe the Charlotte group or whatever has hurt modified racing at all with all that technology and money or no, or what, what's your thoughts on that? Do you have an opinion? Technologies. I mean, people are always looking to go faster. Um, people are always looking to win. So yeah, technology comes out of the NASCAR hub down in, down in North Carolina, but I mean, it's no, I mean, I can remember when, uh, uh, Roush Yates introduced uh, motors for late, dirt late models, and there was a big hubbub about that. 
about. But somebody's going to do it. I mean, if they didn't do it, somebody else is going to do it. I saw I saw Shane Hall post something. He said, racing costs exactly the same today as it did 20 years ago. You spend every dollar you have, period, no matter how much you make. It just is what it is. So, you know, and then Herm got, went on to mention, he's like, I won one feature last year. I'm not even that, like, like I run good or whatever, but I, I won one feature. In the one feature I won, I got into the back of a guy, like when it went yellow, I cut his tire and was basically given the win. He goes, other than that, I didn't even win a race. So, like, what are people all pissed off about? You know, there's a lot of good racers out there. Yeah, and I think, and I was probably one of them at a time. You're a little jealous. All that guy's got more money behind him than I do or whatever. You know, you see people pull in with these big stacker haulers and you see all that. Some people let that kind of be a psychological disadvantage to them. And, you know, there was times that you pull in and it's like, well, whatever. They got all this big money. And I'm just going to whoop their ass anyway, you know. And people talking about uh, like Hoffman's body being all crooked shit people see me race my body was crooked after about every single race and never made me any faster so i don't know what that's all about so it's uh it's just interesting you know it, it was fun like like literally folks if if you haven't had an opportunity to see that jump on to kenny wallace's facebook page you gotta watch it i mean it's hilarious it's like 45 minutes it, it's it'll be worth your time to watch it you'll laugh i mean it's, it's good stuff so um with that said bert you know that's episode 69 in the books and Myself, I never thought I would say this. I, ne I never thought I would say this. With all the racing that's coming up this week, I think I'm the most excited about the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars coming up. I, I just, for whatever reason, like I'm, I'm like anxious to see that hype, that energy, that excitement. Um, what are you most excited about coming up here this week? Um, well, I'm, I'm still excited uh, about the USMTS races to see how Jesse Glenn's does down there. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the sprint cars, uh, down at Volusia and East Bay should be good too. There you go. So lots of racing coming up. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, as always, if you got any topics, you got anything you want us to discuss, you see any controversy, you just want us to rattle somebody's cage, fire us over a message. Um, I, I'm usually politically correct, but Bert will throw any, anybody under the bus. Um, he'll do that all day long. Uh, that's just who he is. He likes to do that. And uh, so with that said, you know, as, as Puka always says, go out there and be your dream. I'm Ryan. That is Bert Lehman. And thanks for tuning in to the One to Go show. A production of Gold Sports Media, LLC.